It is your Classic Metal Show right here on the ClassicMetalShow.com. That is brand new David Reese from uh, just called Reese. Some uh, solo stuff from uh, David. And uh, the name of that tune there is called Judgment Day. Probably one of my favorite tracks on this new release. And uh, on the phone with us, we got uh, the one and only, the great vocalist, David Reese. How are you, David? Wow. Kind of hard to follow that introduction, but I'll say thank <laughs> well, you and I, greetings I to everybody. Give... Funny, you said Judgment Day. I'm hearing that all the time now. And my manager's up my ass to uh, shoot a video for that one. So it looks like i got to get busy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I, I dig that song a lot. I like the change-ups in it. I like the uh, the different instrumentation in it. But uh, one thing about this new release that I was really digging a lot, and this is lacking for a lot of uh, uh, recordings that I hear just because of budgetary and, and people maybe not knowing what they're doing, but uh, the production on this thing is just amazing. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. It's It's ballsy. Mm. It's in your face. Uh, you know, I listen to, uh, the tunes here on, on some uh, professional monitors here in the studio and everything is just, uh, mixed as well as separated perfectly when it comes to the, uh, vocals and the, uh, instruments. Thank you. I, I got to give all kudos to Andy Susamil. I mean, uh, he produced it, mixed it and, uh, arranged it, uh, with me and, um, I'm going to give him basically all the credit. I mean, uh, that was a condition of going back to work with Andy, and uh, we've done a few records together before, but he has improved tenfold as a producer. I mean, we had it mastered by a guy separately. You know, typically producers, you know, they'll master it as well. The guy's name is uh, Matt's Mix, is what we call it, and they actually tested it on a Abbey Road uh, mastering lab. They had a, a seminar in Frankfurt. And when they cranked it up, all the guys that were, you know, the gurus kind of looked around at Andy and the, the mastering guy and said, don't touch it. So, yeah. I mean, when you get that kind of, uh, I mean, Andy was working song by song with, you know, levels, like you said, with the mastering guy separately. So um, they made sure they nailed it. So thank you very much. I, I'm really pleased with this. Well, I'm glad, I keyed I, in, I, I'm glad I keyed in on something that really stood out, you know, and there was actually, a, you know, a... Um, uh, conscious effort to uh, do yeah. that because it really does show. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, uh, Andy will love to hear that. He's, I would suggest him with anybody, but beyond being a stellar guitarist and singer, he's, he's really got it. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, David, you're, you're ob obviously very involved in the music world. I, you know, I, you know, your, uh, legacy goes back decades now, but, uh, it seems like you're in a very creative period here over the last couple, three years or so. Uh, is that is that a fair assessment? You seem like you're, uh, you know, creatively uh, engaged, I guess. Well, it's, it's um, you got to kind of awaken the beast. It's in there, uh, but I think it's a work in progress. And the more I stay focused, uh, it seems the more it flows. And, and I'm not one of those guys that... Um, it's an idea and ponders it you know i get busy on it and i record it and i listen to it and if it's got a good smell to it i'll stay with it and and i usually after about you know an hour or so i'll realize if it doesn't so but yeah you know i, I try to keep the flows going and i try to turn off all that negative crap going on around me and just you know i gotta make a song and and uh, I'm, i thank you for noticing that i, I think it's uh, you know it, it doesn't matter your age or whatever. If you've got got it flowing, let it go. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, I've I've talked to other artists who are, uh, you know, and this is not a this is not uh, any kind of a, a knock on anybody, but they're in the twilight of their career, as it were. You know, they've had mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of years behind them, and you know they're they're still busy out there. And you know, given the state of the record industry and the music industry in general, I always ask, why do you make a full album? You know, why why do you do that anymore? Not that I don't appreciate it, but uh, the 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 uh, answer I usually get is, well. If you're a painter, you have to paint no matter what, you know, no matter what the environment is, you, you just have to do it. You need a creative outlet. Is that true for you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because you don't, for me, I don't like as a painter, you know, I would imagine they, they start a canvas and they think about something and then they start flowing with their hand. And it's kind of like with a record with me, when I finish all the lyrics and stuff and start adding the vocals, it seems like I've kind of said something, you know, that I was trying to say. I'm not aware of it. And then I listen back to it and go, hmm, okay, that's what I was trying to say. I, I don't know if I answered your question, but um, doing singles, I think a lot of the major artists are trying that. They're yeah. still selling 30,000, 40,000 tickets. Um, their labels basically just say, ah, oh, let's stick one of the wall if it works, and we write another single. That's kind of the, the forte now for the, the larger artists, but I don't know. I'd rather do a whole record and then tour it, you know, it's small clubs, theaters, bigger halls. I mean, I'd like to test the, test the waters, you know, sure. see if it's working. Now, where, where does the audience allow you to play new music? Because as you're aware, I'm sure, uh, you know, over the last, I'm going to say the last 25 years or so, uh, when, you know, artists, known artists, uh, name artists go out there and they tour a new record and whatnot, especially if they have a deep catalog uh you know the 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 fans want to hear the hits because they're you know they're casual fans they this is what i heard on the radio so this one is a good song but then you go hey i want to break out something new okay beer and piss break it's like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. How, how does that affect I, you I have, I have to do that um of course i got to play some of the eat the heat stuff or yeah. the kick off on the udo tour Last spring, I mean, I played four or five off of that album, and uh, I needed to, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's that guy that replaced Udo for a while. Yeah. Um, that's that album we hated or we really loved. <laughs> and then, of course, I was promoting the album Resilient Hearts, so I threw in some of that. Um, we had about 45 minutes set on that tour, so I crammed in as much nostalgia and as I could and, and, and as much of the new material as I could. But there is a lot of truth to that. There are people that come to see you, and, and if you don't play that song, they're in the merch booth going, I drove two hours to hear this track. Why don't you play it? Right. And a lot of times I'll bring those songs up that they actually ask about, and the band will say, nah, I don't feel it. And I say, we have to play it. Yeah, it's got to be there. Yeah, and then you've got these nostalgia tours. I mean, look what happens in, in the U.S. particularly. You've got these four-band packages, Night Ranger, journey foreigner i mean year after year after year and they're playing nothing but those top 10 singles well wow. because those fill seats that puts asses in seats and that you know kind of sad in a way well you know? it is sad and and here's here's the thing and i just want to get your take on this if if there was a commercial outlet like you know radio or an mtv still these days and it still had some impact on the uh you know on the um public you know, and people actually still listen to that or they, they what what happened years ago, and I know you know this, 
you know, when a radio station or a programmer picks up a song from, let's just say, ACDC, and they play that song on rotation, people are more apt to go, man, that's a good song, you know? And when mm-hmm. they go to the when they go to the show and they play that song, yeah. But if it's a song that they never heard before, it's like, what the fuck is this? Radio didn't mm-hmm. play this, so I guess it's not very good. So I'm just not going to listen. Yeah, it's a weird thing if, when you when you talk about a band like ACDC. I think they could you know shit on the stage and people would go nuts. I mean, they've got this insanely loyal following uh, that. You know, but they, I think they still release great albums, but, um, the radio did mold for, you know, a long time what, what you were. I mean, you had to write the power ballad in the eighties, right? Yeah, absolutely. You had to have that, the big love song. And then you had to have the big, whoa, whoa, sing along chorus. You know, the Bon Jovi, I think he kind of cut that mold to get everybody stuck in that rut, which mm-hmm. I think actually ended up killing us all because, Every band had a bleach blonde hair singer and, and, and uh, 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 you know, two guitar players with pink guitars and yeah. explosions. And, and I think a lot of the kids, you know, the economy was changing, you know, the dynamic of the, the, the world was changing. A lot of people just didn't feel like I can get as much pussy as that guy can. Of yeah. course he can because he's on TV 15 times a day. Sure. You know? I want to listen to a guy talk about, you know, what I'm thinking about. So um video that was another one you know that one killed the radio star i i really do believe though if a, if a really cool program came back and say went after us old farts and and these new guys because there's a lot of new great bands oh yeah that are getting getting nothing if, if they actually spent the time and money we could reopen that channel but it's like they just went nah it's dead we can't do it they, yeah they've given up all hope you know and uh, when the ones that are on still, they're doing um, drama shows, you know, families fighting over things and drugs. And <laughs> it's not even about music. Yeah. You know, well, I, I was I thinking know. about I was thinking about this a little bit before we, we began talking and I was playing that song Judgment Day. And I was thinking to myself, man, if there was still a commercial outlet that would pump a song like this. It, it would it would be a hit. It would be a big hit in my mind, anyway. As a as a programmer, as someone who's been doing this Thanks. for twenty five years, I would I would listen to that. And if I was programming a station, I go, yeah, let's throw that into rotation, you know. But that's not that's how Van Halen broke. I mean, Van Halen was tested in Reno, Nevada. Okay, and I think one thousand five hundred people called in that day. They did. You really got me an eruption. People were like, "What in the hell is that?" Because the program director, a lot of guys had gotten it, but they weren't interested, you know. But one station blew that band wide open, basically. And we don't have that. I mean, a guy like you say you're the PD or you're the you're the number one DJ or, or the night guy. And you get a record and they say, here's the single, and you flip it over and go, this Judgment Day song is better. I'm going to throw that on the air and see what happens. Yeah. And then say, you know, and back then... You know, I remember as a kid, I, I had idols that were DJs. There was one called uh, Killer Kirschbaum at uh, KQRS in Minneapolis when I was a kid. Her voice was sexy. She played the B-sides, you know, those eight-minute songs. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't wait to listen to her show. She was as much of a personality as the music, in my opinion. It was a whole different, you know, thing. I mean, radio, 
Then it went so commercial where you had a disc that played the same 20 songs all day because the advertisers, of course, are keeping the station funded. And they're not going to fund you unless you play those songs because that market is in the car lunch hour or at drive home time. Right. You know, it commercialized itself to death. I think Steve look at there, and I always quote this. He said it, I think it was Rolling Stone. It became, music has become like McDonald's drive through And like when you go to McDonald's, and I'm guilty of it too, the first thing I reach in the bag for are the French fries. By the time I leave the, the drive through and onto the main street, I've forgotten what I ate. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? I, I mean, do you know get what you mean. Yeah, go, yeah we, what did you do for dinner? And, oh, we went to McDonald's, but what did I eat? Oh, I mean, I, I gorged the whole large fry before I even left the friggin' drive through. Right. And music has just become kind of like this thing that, I don't know, you see these halftime shows and stuff. It's like, what is that? Let's cram in 30 dance songs with 800 people. And it's, it's just not the same. I mean, it's really sad. Yeah, I is. wish guys like you were, were out pushing, you know, bands and, and radio, there were radio stations that actually, you know, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, my partner Chris and I, uh, we do uh, debut new music. And my partner Chris, mm -hmm. because he runs all of our social media for the Classic Metal Show, he puts together absolutely. he puts together playlists every week. Here's the new playlist from the CMS, you know, and he'll right. mix in, you know, stuff like say like this new Reese album, or you know, he'll mix in, you know, maybe a classic or something, but. Regardless mm -hmm. of that, he puts together a playlist. Here's your weekly classic metal show playlist. Uh, this features new mu music from uh, Mud Honey, or this features new music right. from so and so. Mm -hmm. And you know that's the only way we can do it. And we have a lot of fans who come back and go, "Hey, thanks for turning me on to that band. I would have never known if you hadn't told me." But that's what radio right. did years ago. You wouldn't have known about Judas Priest had radio not told you. You know, right. because you would have exactly. gone, "Oh, Judas Priest, what is that?" <laughs> You know, but radio yeah. played it. Oh, well, this must be cool because it's it's live and it's on the air and it's coming through my car speaker. Right. And every every show that they did when they were pounding the ground, they would go to these stations like yours. Yeah. Sit there for two or three hours and talk to the DJs and then, you know, have ticket giveaways and play those B-sides. And, and kids became more, you know, when they when they went into British Steel, that that era, that broke the united states as you well know mm -hmm. uh, the british invasion um there was just so much i don't know there was a magic in the air you know and I, i'm grateful for guys like you because you know i'm with chris I, I've, I've known him for a while and, and he told me the same thing they gotta expose without the expos exposure we're we're done yeah pretty much I'm, i mean I'm, there's I'm, so much out there that people have to search on youtube or, or social media and they might find you, but then again, they might not. Right. And and you've got to be willing to market yourself. It's all self, self-employed now. I mean, back in the days, I have a manager and uh, he works his ass off for me, but even more so now I I'm the guy, I'm the guy doing all of this. And back in those days, there was a guy hired for this and a guy hired for that, a girl over here for that and every city or every, you know, now it's me on an iPhone, Skyping, interviewing talking about my career uh my shows you know uh, because if i didn't no i'd be lost in this shuffle of, of ipods of guys that hoard 500 songs a day 
They don't even know what they're stealing off the internet because they say, hey, I got 2,000 songs. How many you got? Yeah. It's like this, you know, it's a game. Yeah, it's like collecting collecting baseball cards or something. Exactly. But that was even cooler because, I mean, you'd go to your friend's house. Did you collect baseball cards? Oh, yeah. I got a ton of them. Yeah, man. And I I love the gum inside. (laughs) And I played baseball and I knew my players. Um, Those were cool. I mean, because you could actually go network with your friends and trade and talk about the players. You knew the stats. It's kind of like rock and roll was. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, know, you heard a story about Mick Jagger and Keith Richards or, or what What was the mysterious Led Zeppelin up to? You know, what mystical planet have they land on and with this new album? And what does that album cover mean? And that's the same thing with, with uh, the artwork. I mean, vinyls, you know, kind of edging back a little bit, which is nice. Um, you know, people can actually see the cover. So if you're limited even with your advertisement with a CD cover, I mean, you, you can't cram like what they could in the old days, you know, on a CD cover and actually make out what it, what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I got a bunch of vinyl, too. And, you know, I, nice. I, I got uh, I, I've been collecting for ever since. I, in fact, I was kind of funny. I was looking through my vinyl collection and I came across the very first 45 that I bought as a 10 year old, no as a 10 year old. I bought it wow, at a garage, what was it? It was a garage sale. It was uh 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 instant karma's gonna get you on a on a Apple forty five. Nice. Yeah. I think I had that one when I was a kid yeah, too. Yeah, I bought it for twenty five <laughs> cents at a garage sale. Beautiful. So was it still in great shape? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Nice. So nice. uh yeah, stuff like that. But I'm a collector. I'm old school like you. I, I like that kind of stuff. So, you know, here you are with a, a new, you know, soul. Would you consider this? A, I guess this is a solo release. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 really well, ex- excluding the, the, the contracts that I'd signed a few years ago to commit to. I, I really want to just be a solo artist. I, you know, keeping a band together in this same environment you and I are talking about, yeah. because what it what it also has created is is. It's killed the unity thing where guys are in 10 different bands at, at 10 different times. So it's really hard to, to sit down and be a unit because this guitar player, that bass player is playing with so-and-so and he's got 10 shows. So you got to wait for that to be done and book around that and blah, 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 blah. So I just said, you know what? It's, uh, it, there's no such thing in rock and roll as democracy. That's a lie. <laughs> there's usually, there's one or two guys who kind of, lead everything around yeah Dane and paul yeah and and you know it's it's that was a, a a lie that i told myself thinking that i could have a band of brothers bullshit it's uh, and anybody that's out there that's in a band knows what i mean they can talk all the trash they want that we're a brotherhood but somebody offers you a couple hundred extra bucks per gig you're out the door you know love you brother great playing with you but <laughs> you know that that's gone but for as uh, yeah, I am. A, I I want to consider myself a solo artist. I just actually returned from Bulgaria about four days ago. I had committed to sing on the the, the new John Steele album. Blaze Bailey had done an album with them and Doogie White, and I was called in because Doogie went out with Schenkerfest, of course, and uh, you know as a gig because he wanted to play and, and work and get paid. So they were desperate for a singer and said, "Could you fill in in these gigs?" And I said, "Yeah." And then we did some Hammerfall dates, and then he said, hey, will you do the new album? So I did do that, and it's, it's really good. It's kind of Maiden-esque, progressive, heavy, heavy stuff. And then I'm doing a record with uh, uh, my Spanish bassist, because my bass player right now actually is on the road with Ian Pace. 
doing a deep purple perpendicular thing, which is amazing because I've sang in that band a few times. And to play with one of the greatest drummers in the world, why not? And Ian Pace demands that my bass player is on stage or he won't do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm doing a, I have a fill-in bassist from Spain named Gorka that uh, he wrote an album and I told him I would sing on it. So I'm writing on that. But above and that, unless it's something really, 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 really special, I'm going to stick to Dave. And, and, and I need a guy like Andy, though. Even though Andy's a solo artist himself, what you hear is what works, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to ask you about this title track, this uh, Cacophony of Souls. That that opening yeah. lead vocal, is that you? Yeah. Okay, me. well, so that's a whole different register for you, you know? All the, the lonely Exactly. It, it was like almost well, like a Johnny, Johnny Cash in some regard, you know? Uh, cool. Thanks, man. Great comment, compliment. <laughs> I grew up on country music. I'm originally from Oklahoma, so in our house, my granny had the big console with the TV and the turntable and the A-track, and all day long, it was George Jones and, and uh, Hank Senior and, and you know Conway and, and all of them. And I, but I'm also a David Bowie fan, and the colors in his voice. You know, the older you get, the note you, you kind of go. You know what? I don't have to scream balls out and everything. I've already <laughs> made my point. Let's right. let's build it. And now that you said that, I, I did another interview yesterday, and somebody asked me, "Is that you?" I go, "Yeah." Because Resilient Heart, the album before this, my other solo album, there's a song called "Live Before You Die." And I sing in that lower register, and the guy's wife that I wrote it with was like, oh, my God, but you're touching that David Bowie spirit. I said, thanks. That, that's, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you got all these singers that have to show the world that they've got this falsetto thing that they can hit these notes. And after about two or three songs, I, I just turn it off. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, who do you I mean, think I've you are, Jeff Tate? Huh? <laughs> I said, who do you think you are, Jeff Tate? Yeah, I mean, even him. I mean, I did a gig with him last summer. I mean, he's he knows his limits. He knows yeah. his age. He's he's reaching up there and touching a few of those notes of old. But uh, you know, his lower register is beautiful to listen to. And I and I, he was singing a lot lower than he did before, and it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, as those cigarettes and wine will catch up with you after a while. <laughs> yeah, and age, man. I mean, it's all part of the <laughs> unless you're shows. unless you're Dio. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, even I, I saw Dio on the, the last Vakken show they did, and I, I was almost in tears. I, you could see Ronnie was not feeling well. And it was, the you've probably seen their performance. I did. It was I did. unbelievable. I mean, the guy was uh, near death and just like a venom still in his voice. Yep. You could hear that he was tired, but my God, he was better than I'll ever be on my best day. Yeah. Know? Absolutely. Well, David, tell us a little bit about this uh, cacophony of souls. Uh, when did you start, you know, writing this? Is this a bunch of ideas you had, or is this all fresh new material, or where did where did all this come from? Uh, well, that track in particular, the title track, was written musically by a guy named Martin Frank. Uh, he's in a band called Shotgun Revolution in Denmark, and I had written some songs in it on my last solo album because um, I had made up my mind before Resilient Heart came out, I'm done with this band nonsense. And I was in Montana. That's kind of where I, I was born in Oklahoma, but I'm a Montana boy. That's what I consider. I live in Italy now. I'm married to an Italian woman, but he and I started kind of, you know, emailing back and forth and we wrote three or four songs together. But Cacophony of Souls was one of those songs that I didn't put on that record. 
And it was one of those where you're sitting on the toilet and then I'm leaning over on the floor with a piece of paper and I'm listening to his <laughs> guitar riff writing the words. <laughs> so I brought it to Andy and, and it didn't have a solo. So Andy put that killer solo in it. So that one was written with Martin Frank. Um, uh, the, the two tracks on the album, I have to say my bass player, as I mentioned earlier, Melta, Frederick Burkert, he's the bassist guy for Ian Pace on these perpendicular shows. He's done four or five albums with me, and he and I toured all over Europe together. And I never knew he could write because he always was like, "Well, the album's done," but I would like to contribute sometime. But he never showed me anything. So normally, what I, I like to tell this story where when I go to Hamburg, where he lives, I, I get there usually first. He picks me up. I go to his house. I'm exhausted. He's a night guy. I'm a, I'm a day guy. So I'm laying on the bed, and he's wandering around the house talking all night long. Please, Mel, to shut up. And he's playing a, an old Gibson Explorer that he's got. And he's playing this riff. And I go, he goes, yeah, I wrote this. And I go, what is that? And it was really good. It turned into collective anesthesia. I said, you wrote that? He goes, yeah, and I've got this one, which was a perfect world. I said, dude, let's, let's write that. So we sent it to Andy. We kind of put it together. And, and uh, then I wrote the words with Andy on it. And it's nice to know that he's actually a, a prolific writer as well, because, you know, Malta is a few years younger than me, and he grew up on Megadeth and, and the, the heavy stuff. He's a maiden freak. So, you know, bringing that fresh blood into the songs, I think you can kind of hear that. But the other tracks, um, Andy and I, like I said, when I, I retired from music for about nine years, I was ranching in Colorado or Montana, and I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with music after, you know, the world came to an end in the early 90s. So, when I came back, I had known Andy since the, the Accept days because we met uh, while he was doing Udo Mean Machine, and I was doing Eat the Heat with Accept. And Andy and I hit it off because we were kind of like the new guys that everybody avoided, you know, and they weren't sure about us. So we'd go to the pub every night, get shit-faced, and, and hang out. We developed a good friendship. So I came back to rock and roll in uh, 2007, and uh, about nine years off. And I did an album called Universal Language, a solo album with Andy, in his bedroom. Uh, he was taking care of his ailing mother, who's sadly since passed. But uh, that was the kickoff. So Andy and I have done a bunch of songwriting together and stuff. So the re this album was a, was a collective of, of lyric ideas, titles. Uh, but I have to say, I, you know, hand it over to Andy, and he comes back with this rip and rip. Now, when I did the, the UDO Steel Factory tour, Every night I, 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 I studied Udo because guy's a German fucking tank. He is. Uh, he's got a loyal, a loyal following. And, and every night there was between 800 to 1,000 plus in these large rooms you know, of loyal, dedicated Udo people. So I studied the tempos, what songs I did from Eat the Heat that worked, and blah, blah, blah. So I ran into Andy in Stuttgart, and he had this long face, and he said, I need to be up there with you. And the two guitar players that I worked with, they were really good, but it just wasn't quite the good that you got here in, you know, Cacophony of Souls. I knew that I needed to get Andy back. So we sat down and we said to each other, we're going to do this, we're going to make it modern, we're going to make it metal, and we're going to make it in your fucking face. And I think we achieved that. But I have to say, he was he was a major driving force in that whole creative, um, you know, thing, whatever you call it. Right. 
Well, uh, I was I was watching a movie the other day, uh, and and this kind of you know I hadn't seen this movie before. It's about five years old. I, I wasn't aware of it. I just ran across it on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen it, but uh, it's Al Pacino. He uh, he plays a aging rock star, Danny Collins. Have you ever seen that? Oh movie? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in. He's plays piano. He's yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. Vegas kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to write a new album after all these years, and you know, I want to showcase it. And I want a special, you know, small, intimate show where I could play my new music, and you know, mm-hmm. the the Danny Collins fans show up. Play your hits, man. Play your hits, <laughs> and he just kind of he just kind of froze up on the stage, and instead of you know breaking out the new tunes, which was the whole idea, he just kind of relented and go, well, I give the fans what they want you know and he kind of like kind of failed himself because he you know it's just like well i guess i can't can't play anything new because apparently nobody wants to hear it i mean who wants to hear a new barry manilow song (laughs) think about it i think it's kind of a barry manilow story sure it is sure it is elton john nobody gives a shit i mean or neil diamond oh yeah i mean look at that guy i mean you, I mean, that guy did something to the American, I don't know what it is, the core. I mean, so you got to do that stuff. Yeah. I never had that status, but uh, uh, I, I, that movie, I remember it well. Him sorting coke and, and you know, being a maniac, <laughs> you know, being separated from his kids because yeah. he was touring all the time. and. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's my story. Yeah, man. well, that's, what, that's why I kind of like brought that, it up man. because that's that's kind of what reminds me of of conversations like this because you get a guy like yourself who's still active and still uh, you know relevant and in, in you know being a, the having the ability to write and sing and you know uh, record a very balls out record. But the thing is, is you present this to the fans in a live setting, and it's just like, yeah, great, play the hits. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's a terrible truth. I mean, like I said, I was expected. I you know doing the eat the heat stuff with UDO, and the funny thing with Udo was I hadn't seen him for quite some time, and, and we've always been pretty good chums. He treated me with nothing but respect. When I replaced him, he was next door. He never ever acted crazy with me. Uh, he was sitting on the toilet behind the door, and I could see these feet, and I was doing the ba 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 ba. And I hear this voice, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I'm like, Udo, what do you think it is? Shut your fucking mouth, you know? Why you make this noise? I'm like, oh, I got to get ready. He goes, it's rock. Go out and fucking do it, you know? <laughs> um, but he, but the thing about Udo is his character is, is a big selling point. And he didn't play one except song on that tour. Okay? Yeah. I mean, he did Back to the Roots a few years ago, but... He played all Udo material, and everybody freaking knew it. And that new album, I mean, that everybody knew that too. Sure, he played a lot of yeah. So he's he's fortunate that way, where he can he can go back do his accept tribute, and then he can you know throw a new album out. Um, yeah, but it's it's a it's a it's a truth. I mean, I, I have to play those songs. I tested uh, blood on my blood on our hands and. Uh, metal voice live we did like nine shows together with andy um over the summer into november last year and a lot of the fans came up to me and said is that going to be on the new album i said yeah and they go fuck yeah fuck yeah <laughs> keep going reese because after i do those gigs you know those tours last year everybody go can you you know i got to know you from eat the heat and i mean you're you're a great blues rock singer but you know your metal thing is great can you still could you do that and i'm like 
I better start listening to the voices, you know. <laughs> and that that's what we did. We kind of went at it like, because Firepower had come out, right, Priest? Yeah. And their whole packaging, you know, kind of had the Screaming for Vengeance look a little bit. And, you know, I'm listening to Halford, and he's killing it. And I'm going, you know what? Yeah, I got I got to get my head right. Yeah, you got to step up the game there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that's what it is. It's yeah. a game. Full contact sport. My Absolutely. <laughs> well, what else do you want to tell us about this new uh, record there, David? Well, um, sum it up. I, I booked a bunch of gigs so far. The release, uh, pre-release uh, is the 14th of February. You can pre-order it. It's on El Puerto Records. I was on Mighty Music for a while. Wasn't satisfied. And when I was with El Puerto before i can say they did a stellar knockdown job like talking to people like you a promotion so i called them up and said hey you want me back they go fuck yeah what do you got so i played them some of these songs and of course they went holy shit anyways the the official release date is march 13th and that's our first gig uh, at a place called kreutz Obermachtal in germany and then the following night is in bellenberg at a place called trauba kind of a home stomping ground for the label and for us, the South German area. Then I go to UK in April. I'm doing five in England and two in Scotland. Then I go Spain, back to Luxembourg, you know, Belgium, Holland, festivals. And then right now I'm in the waiting list for the big ones over the summer, Sweden, Rock, Bakken, you know. Cool. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm really just honored to be able to talk to people like you and just you know talk about what i do well it is a real honor to talk to me (laughs) i love that (laughs) i know nice to meet you i know (laughs) i know it is right that's a david lee roth thing yeah exactly it's great to meet you yeah i know yeah (laughs) (laughs) gotta love it man gotta love it all right well david where can people find you on the on the internet which is, you know, basically uh, the biggest marketing tool for anybody. Yeah, I'm a Facebook whore. Um, David Reese official, friends of David Reese, and then I have a special website that my wonderful Italian wife, who is up my ass every day to keep it current, we just updated a bunch today. It's called davidreeseofficial.info, and uh, when your uh, interview comes out i'm gonna post that there i have like a media section i mean i have the past there's photos of me as a dumb idiot in the beginning and there's (laughs) you know tour photos and and everything that you need to know about what my crazy life is doing and um i actually uh am doing some re-release vinyl things i'm gonna re-release bangalore choir on vinyl on uh it's just a one-time thing on Target, and then the two uh, Circle of Silence albums that I'd written with uh, Greg Chase on from Badlands and Steve Plunkett from Autograph was part of that back in the day before I retired. So we're going to do special vinyl releases of that. I'm not sure if um, Cacophony of Souls will be on vinyl. I'm not sure if we're going to do it, but it is CD and all the other new, uh, what do you call it, streaming platforms available to one and all if they want to plug in and pay you know exactly all right well perfect well if you're a david (laughs) reese fan uh go pick up this new uh cd cacophony of souls this thing is a balls out in your face kicking the crotch as far as i'm concerned just the production and and the uh ballsiness that's all i can say it's just a ballsy record and i think if you're a classic metal fan this is right up your alley so uh, go pick it up and uh enjoy right on thanks man i thank you for the interview and it's it's been great 
Perfect. Well, as a you know, as a tradition here, Dave, we always let the artist pick something off the new release and tell us a quick story about it. Hmm. You know, I'm going to say if we're going to get heavy, uh, "Blood on Our Hands" is 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 a real favorite of mine. Now, I'm a priest fanatic. I love Rob Halford. Um, that one grabs me, and uh, I'm going to do a video for it. It's about. All of us have got dirt on our hands. No matter what you've done in life, we've all done something we regret. <laughs> but uh, I'm actually writing a storyboard for this one. It's called Blood on Our Hands. It's uh, it's it's balls out in your face. The guitars are insane. Let's 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 push that one. All right, perfect. Uh, all right, well here it is. This is some brand new David Reese from the Cacophony of Souls, and this is Blood on Our Hands exclusively here on your classic metal show. <laughs> 